This is Bad Attitudes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bad Attitudes, an uninspiring podcast about disability. I'm your host, Laura. We're going to continue our discussion of language and labels surrounding disability. Last time I talked specifically about slurs against disabled people, and I had so much to say I ended up having to make what I thought was going to be one episode into two. And still I know I missed some. Before I get started, I want to give you another trigger warning. I will be using language that many disabled people find harmful or offensive. I do not advocate the use of this language, and am doing so only for educational purposes. And as always, I want to remind you that disability is not a monolith. Even though some aspects are universal, my experience as a disabled person is not the same as the experiences of other disabled people. I am one voice for the disabled community, but I am definitely not the only voice. Today I'm talking about euphemistic language. Euphemistic language is the practice of replacing one word with another word that is less controversial and usually cutesy. We see this practice often with genitalia. I guess it offends our delicate sensibilities to hear small children talking about penises and vaginas, so we use euphemisms instead and end up with grown-ass people who can't have an adult conversation with their doctors. When it comes to disability, I think euphemistic language is actually more harmful than slurs because euphemisms are not overtly dangerous. They seem innocuous. To non-disabled people, euphemistic language really seems to be putting a positive spin on something they perceive as negative. The problem is, disability is not inherently negative. It doesn't need a positive spin. We need to be honest and straightforward about disability instead of imbuing it with tragedy all the time. Disability is simply another state of being. It's important to recognize that none of the euphemisms in this episode were coined by disabled people. They were all created by non-disabled people who are discomfited by the term disabled. That is the only reason they exist, because non-disabled people care more about their own comfort than about treating disabled people with respect and dignity. First, we're going to talk about what I call the specials. Special needs, special education, specially abled, special, special, special. In this context, special just means different, abnormal, other. We usually hear special needs in reference to children, i.e. I'm the parent of a special needs child, I teach children with special needs, and so on. Putting special in front of needs suggests that the needs of these children and disabled people in general are a burden. There is nothing truly burdensome about the needs of disabled people other than the fact that the non-disabled majority does not want to accommodate them. If nothing else, the COVID-19 pandemic proved that. Consider this, numerous disabled people would like to have the option of working from home at least some of the time. 
This is especially beneficial for people with chronic pain or disabilities where they have good days and bad days, especially physically, without diminishing their capacity for work. And a lot of the time, the requests for this accommodation are denied out of hand. Too expensive. Can't be done. Don't have the infrastructure. It wasn't exactly a Herculean effort for companies to make the switch to working from home in 2020. The amount of time it took for most major companies to make the shift was like a finger snap, proving it wasn't too expensive, it wasn't hard to do, and they did have the infrastructure in place. So why deny disabled people the option of working from home? I'll let you draw your own conclusion, but here's a hint. It's ableism. But going back to the use of special needs and special education in schools. In school, I straddled an interesting line. Because I use a wheelchair, I was considered special needs. But I was also one of the students in the academically gifted program. When my sister came along, it was called gifted and talented. And I think it's called something else today if it even still exists. Point being, it was a program meant to serve students considered, quote, above average, who needed to be challenged more in their education. By all reasonable definitions, that's also special education. It was education not provided to the entire student body, but to a select few. It also met our, quote, special needs of more challenging material. But our advanced classes were never referred to as special And our educational needs were not considered special because, as I'm sure you're beginning to realize, special means something bad. And using special needs in school settings gives the impression that the needs of disabled children are vastly different from non-disabled children when they really aren't. Think about the things students need in order to learn. Access to the educational institution. A format in which they can learn. Access to equipment that makes it possible for them to learn or be assessed. Teachers who are willing to interact with students and help them when and how they need it. These are the things all students need and all students learn differently. The problem isn't that disabled students need accommodation. The problem is that students are being treated like a commodity and education is being given the Henry Ford treatment, thereby making it harder for any student to access any accommodation they might need. An assembly line does not work for education, yet we keep trying to privatize education like it's a Fortune 500 company instead of recognizing that education is not a for-profit venture. The only profit from the education business is a student who is well-versed in a variety of subjects, but more importantly, has the ability to think critically and values learning. If you haven't noticed, American education is failing miserably and we are ending up with a progressively less educated population. But that's another soapbox for another time. If you insist on being able to isolate the needs of disabled people, try using accommodations. It's more accurate terminology because You are accommodating the differences of disabled people by making accommodations to what is already provided. Accessible education is a more suitable alternative for special education. But really, shouldn't all education be accessible? I'm probably playing with semantics here, but if not me, then who? 
There is also specially abled, which is a good lead-in to another couple of euphemisms, physically challenged and differently abled. All of these are just non-disabled people's way of saying, I'm scared of the word disabled. But let's continue playing semantics. Everyone is specially abled. We all have a talent or a gift that is our special ability. Mine is sarcasm. Some might say it's my creativity, but let's be real, it's sarcasm. As such, we are all differently abled. We are all weaker in some areas and stronger in others. Many times our strengths and weaknesses complement each other. For example, my sister is quite talented at cooking and baking. I am quite talented at eating. Complimentary. And again, we are all physically challenged. Maybe that means you're on the short side or you have a knee that acts up when it rains. All people have physical limitations that challenge them. None of these are accurate terminology for disabled people. And far more importantly, this is language that the overwhelming majority of the disabled community does not want you to use. We're not asking you to do a hard thing. We're asking you to replace all this varying special language with one word, disabled. You can literally wipe out a whole chunk of vocabulary and use disabled. It's like we're saving you brain space. You're welcome. While we're here, this feels like a good time to address the fact that I use the term non-disabled versus able-bodied. The reason goes along with what I have said previously. We all have able bodies. Some are able to do a little more, some are able to do a little less. By referring to people who are not disabled as, quote, able-bodied, this reinforces the idea that non-disabled bodies are more worthy and more valuable and more capable than disabled bodies. And they just aren't. To be clear, using the phrase able-bodied is different than referring to the abled's, capital T, capital A, in the way people sometimes refer to the straights, as in, are the straights okay? One is satire. There's nuance. So I might say, are the abled okay? But not, are the able-bodied okay? Because you can already tell the latter is just not going to be that interesting. Before we wrap up this discussion on language and disability, because I'm sure there will be more, I have one more euphemism to bring up, and it's one that pisses me off. It pisses me off because it is so annoying, so infantilizing, so twee. The word is the Dolores Umbridge of euphemistic language. It's wrapped up in pink and bows and cute kitty plates, but really it's evil incarnate. That word, my friends, is handicapable. According to the National Center on Disability and Journalism, handicapable was coined in 2009 by writers for the show Glee to put a positive spin on handicapped. So you're going to reconfigure a slur to put a positive spin on something that is not inherently negative. Good call. Though this does align with my first assumption that handicapable was probably coined by some random white woman who has no first-hand knowledge of disability, so there's that. It's not just that handicapable attempts to put a positive spin on a slur. For more on that, please listen to the previous episode. It's the pedantic nature of it. As if non-disabled people 
are the only ones who can remind us, disabled people, that we are capable. Never mind that we've been trying to convince you for decades that we are more than capable. Handicapable is non-disabled people telling disabled people you can do anything while fully believing that to be 100% a lie. Let me remind you again that there is nothing inherently negative about disability. Circumstances surrounding disability can be negative, certainly, even tragic, but disability itself is neutral. If you think disability is negative on its face, the negativity you're envisioning probably has more to do with society's treatment of disability rather than disability itself, or perhaps with the unrealistic portrayals of disability in popular media. Being disabled is not a barrier to living a full, happy, fulfilled life. Being disabled might be difficult, but it is not impossible. The only reason anyone feels the need to put a positive spin on disability and its language is because, historically, negativity has been imposed on the disabled by outside forces. Be it average non-disabled people, government agencies, the medical profession, whatever, these are the forces that decide being disabled is inherently negative. And the majority of disabled people, myself included, internalize this imposed negativity and view our very state of being as something bad. But we've got to stop telling ourselves and other disabled people, and especially disabled children, that who they are is bad. Disability is just a state of being. Stop using dishonest language. Stop using harmful language. Stop trying to cute up disability. Just let it be. That's a wrap on euphemistic language. I hope I've given you some insight onto the language around disability and why it's better to keep it simple and call a spade a spade. Disabled is the preferred language of the majority of the community. We don't want or need you to put a positive spin on it, and we definitely don't want you using slurs. Let me know if I missed any language that you think needs to make a swift exit when talking about disability by emailing the pod at badattitudespod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social media at Bad Attitudes Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget, you can also visit the website, badattitudespod.com. Still looking for suggestions on a cool outro, and I'm always accepting disability questions or topics you would like me to cover in future episodes. If you're interested, take a sec to check out my other venture, Fairy Nerdy, on Etsy. You can also follow at Fairy Nerdy on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, thanks for listening.